Welcome to the Sharpway Show. It is 7 p.m. on the East Coast Monday, which is awesome. I have returned. I know some of you are having some withdrawal symptoms. I know I haven't had a show in about a week, and that's because I was away. I was in South Dakota. Yes, Rapid City, South Dakota. Yes, that's where I was at Freedom Fest 2021. There was no Freedom Fest 2020, sadly. Um, so I was in 2019, 2017 also, and 2021, I guess I go every two years now. Is that my new thing? Maybe it is, but there were many interesting things, uh, that happened there, many of them. And I want to cover a couple of those. And of course this is an AMA. So please ask whatever you would like to ask. I'm totally happy, um, with that as always. Um, in fact, let me even change the banner. It's the AMA. So yes. Um, first off. There was a part of me that didn't want to go. And you might say, why wouldn't you want to go? I thought, well, come on. It's South Dakota. It's a small state. It's it's not a major hub. What, like a thousand people, 500 people are going to show up, you know? And then I thought, you know what? No, I'm, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I took a bunch of my team. One of my sponsors came with me. And we made a, a big go of it, a nice big booth. I was on four or five different things. I think I moderated two panels. It was on two others, something like that, a bunch of stuff. Is it two, four, whatever, a bunch of them. I did a bunch of things. And I got to tell you, over almost 3,000 people uh, showed up. Almost 3,000. Isn't that crazy? Almost 3,000 people showed up. That's a lot of people. And I was very happy that we came, very happy that we did it. It was absolutely the right answer. And Tom's breaking my breaking my stones here. What, in a Freedom Fest? Lol, welcome back. There was, but two things. You had to pay extra. Yeah. But number two, um, I was busy shaking hands and kissing babies. I was getting work done. I don't have time doing shows. I was, I was every every night I was with somebody doing something. I was trying to see exactly what was uh, who was behind me moving forward in the future, if you know what I mean, Tom. So I was doing those types of things far more than I was prepared to do a show. So Yes, uh, doing a show would have been a bit of a pain. And I was being interviewed. Like, there were a bunch of people there. So I became the interviewee versus the interviewer. So far better. Far better. I appreciate that. Yes, Pete, we have missed you. $28 trillion in the national debt. You are correct. 28.5 rounded. So I appreciate that. Shelly, how are you? So happy to have you uh, back here this this evening. So, yeah, so 3,000 people showed up. Almost. A lot of people. That was great. And we did many different, um, many different, what, 15, 20, 30, I don't know how many, so many different um, breakout rooms and sessions, all about things regarding liberty mostly, but not all. Some of the things like Bitcoin versus gold and, you know, how to handle, you know, different types of things that investment strategies, all kind of stuff. But the thing, there were four of them that I was involved with. And there's a couple, and I'm going to bring these up if I could. One. Um. The idea of boomers versus zoomers. That was one of the that was one of the panels that I was on. And this is an interesting one. It was the idea that are boomers or zoomers more of a threat or a worry and more dangerous to um liberty and to freedom. And it was an interesting back and forth. And the worst part is if you and if you saw it, I didn't know it was going to be a debate. All of a sudden. It's a debate. I mean, like five minutes before we go on stage and me and a woman named Carla, we're both Gen Xers. We had to defend boomers. 
You just had to. Not that I'm against boomers, but we had to defend them. So all of a sudden, I was I was defending boomers, and two millennials were defending zoomers. Kind of weird. But anyway, what came out of that? I think one of the things I brought up is while it's easy for zoomers to blame boomers, and they do, and I understand why because the boomers have been in charge. So I I get that right. So they blame the boomers for a lot. This is why we are this way, the way we are. At the same time, people blame Zoomers. You guys are this way, that way, this way, blah, blah, blah. These are accurate criticisms. And my point was, as you could imagine, it was we should be nicer to each other and communicate better because the Zoomers right now, many of them, the Zoomers right now think we've been cheated. um, Life is unfair to us. You lied to us. And we should get what's ours. The system doesn't work for us. We, 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 we live at home with our parents. All these different things, right? They get mad. Okay, I got it. You, you have a right to be mad. I got it. But socialism isn't the answer. And what are we doing as the older generations? We're just yelling, to Tom's point, get off my lawn, right? That's what we're learning. Grow up. That's what we're yelling at them. We have to communicate better to them, which you have seen me try my best to do, to show them there is a better way than the socialism route. And to be forward, many of us have not been that good at that. I'm trying to be better at that. And the reverse too. The boomers, they have all the money, right? They vote and they have the money. Yelling, okay, boomer, is it going to get them on your side? So whether you blame them and call them names or whatever whatever you might want to call them, you still should... Market to them better too and get them on your side because they're going to be the ones who can change the system and make things better. They have the voting power and the pocketbook power. That was my biggest point at the end. And uh, Carla, who made a, a great point, I have her book here somewhere. Got to find her book. She wrote, I'll, I'll bring up, I'll show her book in a minute. She was very savvy and she was like, How about we start forgiving each other first? Yeah. How about boomers? start forgiving Zoomers for being the way they are. And some of them can be really obnoxious. So start forgiving them and say, look, I, you grew up in a certain way. Let me, you know, in good faith, forgive you. And let's see if we can fix this. And in reverse, stop blaming Boomers for everything and yelling, okay, Boomer, and forgive them. They did what they thought was best too. And the systems that are set up are mostly theirs, right? Forgive them too and help them come back. I think that was probably my my favorite panel, because I think in the end, people in the audience, uh, people on stage were all like, you know what? Why don't we stop being jerks? Why don't we stop being jerks and have some serious conversations and stop pointing fingers, very easy to blame, and start working together to fix this stuff? I think that's what I loved about that one. Let me grab a couple of these comments here if I could. Welcome back. Thank you. Yes, I am back. Yes, thank you, Andrew. I am back. Yes. Shelly says, most politicians shake babies and kiss hands. Yeah, I'm going to swap that one. Yes, I have to. Did you visit Mount Rushmore and shake it up alone or, and shake it up alone with Spike? Uh, I did not go to, to, to kind of validate what I said to Tom. I didn't hang out much at all. I did almost no touring. I was very busy from the beginning to end. I was doing interviews, talking to people, sitting in front of my booth, shaking hands, talking to people, pushing. I gave away the first four chapters of my book um, as a marketing tool. I gave that away 
So I was give, I gave over 300 copies of the first four chapters of my book out to kind of motivate people and to get some feedback to see if it's if it's good. If I'm going to all of a sudden be like, oh, I was kidding. It's due out in October. If it's really bad, I hope it's good. So I did that also. And I was meeting with people and I was on many panels and I was I was a moderator and that kind of thing. So I was very busy. I didn't do any of the tourist stuff. I did see Spike there. Uh, so Spike was good. Had a good time with him. So, yes. Um, Ed says Freedom Fest was a good convention, to be honest. It was. I'm I'm very. Yes, it was. Yes. So uh, John says, was there one person that surprised you, inspired you, so you didn't see coming that impressed you at Freedom Fest? That is a really good question, John. Man, that's a good question. If I can think about that. Um, uh, let me start with some disappointments, and then I'll go to that. Disappointments, some people didn't show. Um, Glenn Beck didn't show. Justin Amash didn't show. Tom Woods didn't show. I think Tom Woods was sick, I think. I don't know if Glenn Beck even wanted to come. I don't know if, I don't know if Amash wanted to come. But none of them came, and I wish they kind of had. So there were some people who I wish had showed up who didn't. That was that was kind of um, disappointing, and I thought they would because so many people were there. But I think maybe they had the same thoughts that I had, and that oh, it's South Dakota, it won't be a big deal. But it really was. It was a big deal. It was good. So surprise, I didn't see coming. Hmm. Um. Yes, the amount of youth there. There were many people who were younger. I would say under thirty-five. And usually Freedom Fest is older. Um, and if they're younger, they're all young, hardcore Republicans. Like if I remember in 2017, 2019, I mean, they were running around with MAGA hats. They were all about Trump. It was hardcore Republican youth. This one, it, there was still Republican youth there. It, it leans right without question. For those of you who don't know Freedom Fest, it's libertarian, but it absolutely leans right libertarian. There are left libertarians there, but it leans right libertarian. Absolutely. And in the past, there were much more young, hardcore libertarians. I'm sorry, hardcore Republicans. Now there were a whole lot more younger, hardcore libertarians. And that, I think, was was impressive, did surprise me, and did inspire me. Um, there were many of the young libertarians who literally said things like, I'll never go back to one of the two parties again. And I thought, wow, wow, very good. There were a lot of people there um, who were young, who had thrown away the two-party system. That was very inspiring. So I think that would be the thing. I don't know if it was one person. One person. Um, I was, there were, there were many of them, but one I was on a panel with was maybe uh, Hannah Cox, who I'd met her for the first time in person. And she was everything that I hoped she would be. Smart, savvy, um, people knew her, liked her, and she's very much, you know, saying she's not going back to the two-party system. So I think maybe that will be one. I hope I answered your question. So, yes. Josiah says, it was so good to finally meet you and discuss what's going on in Tennessee. Yes. Any chance you'll, be, you'll visit Tennessee soon? If so, Rhonda, me. Thank you for that. Yes. And I grabbed your, your cards and stuff, and I've got that. Is it? For all Tennessee, or I actually pumped you on a podcast the other day. I talked about that. Um, you gave me the card. I'm going to check them out. I am considering trying to see how that how that works. I think it's for all Tennessee, F-O-R-A-L-L-T-N dot org. Did I get that right? Um, that's out of memory, but I I, I think that's amazing. Um, I was talking talk, telling people that in the past, I had considered moving 
to North Carolina outside of Charlotte. And that was before I ran for office in 20, in 2018. And I was so upset about how good it was in North Carolina that I came back and ran for governor to fix my own state. And now if I move now, I'm, I'm considering, you know, where am I going to go? I was thinking Tennessee. So I don't know. So people in Tennessee are like, yeah, come on down. But no, no, I, I, I haven't given up in New York yet. Still have hope. So yes. Gene says life isn't fair. It's true. The, the problem though is many Zoomers were brought up to believe it has to be right. You're accurate. You're correct. They were told just do these things and then it'll be fair. I mean, think about what many Zoomers have grown up in. If you're my age, you remember going to a birthday party as a kid and the only person who got presents was the birthday kid, right? If you're my age, you remember that. Yeah, you go to a birthday party and the kid whose birthday it was got a present because it was his or birthday. That's what we did. And when it was your birthday, you got presents. That's how it worked, right? Not anymore. Go to the birthday party. Everybody gets presents because it's unfair. If only one person gets presents, I'm not joking. If you, you if you know this, that's how it is now. And many of them were raised in all those things. Remember, you'd go to a a, a a trophy ceremony and you would all clap for the victors, right? Because the people who won, you'd clap and go, yay, you got first or second place or whatever the trophies were for, first or second place. And everybody would clap and go, well done, person who did something wonderful and com- and was a good competitor. Here is, well, let's clap for you. Now, everybody gets a trophy because it feels bad if the person who sucked doesn't get a trophy. So everyone gets one. So you're correct, but have we taught Zoomers that? I would argue no. We have not taught Zoomers that at all. So they don't grow up thinking that. Now they get into the real world and go, wait a minute. This is what my mom told me. My mom told me everything was fair and I'm awesome. Wait a minute. Literally, if you saw, I did that Red Table Talk um, review or I should say response a couple of weeks ago. And there was a woman on there who said openly, you know, I'm, I'm at my business now, at my first job now, and no one's giving me praise. People aren't making me feel good. And she wasn't joking. She was like, you're supposed to. Yeah. What's wrong with you? And it made her want to quit. Now, I know if you're a, a Gen Xer or a boomer, your head's ready to explode. I know. Again, that's what she's raised on. She's in her 20s now, I think, or whatever, maybe 30. That's what she's raised on. She's raised on, you showed up, let me praise you. You did something. Here's a pat in the back. And she was literally saying, I didn't get that. And I was like, what's wrong with these people? And she left and started a nonprofit because she wanted to make sure that she was getting pat in the back every day. So again, not saying you're wrong. Just saying, do we really have that in Zoomers today? Some of them, of course, I'm being, I'm generalizing. I know I am painting with a broad brush, but whenever you do generational stuff, you're always painting with a broad brush. So yes. Shelly says, my Zoomers learned this, learned from this boomer that their life is their responsibility. I have two Zoomers and mine do too. I'm with you, Shelly. I'm with you. Chris says, welcome back to New York, Larry, where Cuomo has announced he wants to go door to door to round up and take people to get vaccinated. His majesty style from now on be known as 
boxcar Andy. Oh, Chris. I'm very happy back to hear stuff like that. Yes, I know. Now they're going door to door. Of course. Of course. Yes. Desiree says, do you think with the new variants and CDC concerns that government might plan with the lockdown? I don't think so. I think there'll be no more lockdowns. That's my assumption. And why I say that is the, the economic damage is just at one point just too much. And they won't be able to hide all the debt, right? The debt that the U.S. is, is, is piling up that, you know, some people here are very happy to talk about, right, all the time, Pete, um, to keep bringing up a lot of it becomes harder and harder to, to disguise and the economic repercussions, the inflation, all those things. I mean, if you lock down again, you got to keep people on the dole again, right? If they lock us down again, Desiree, they're going to have to keep paying us again and again and again. It's going to make UBI just the norm, right? And well, that's probably going to happen anyway. I mean, to be forward, I don't think, I think UBI is only a couple years away. So I've got to come up with a realistic UBI plan because it's going to be coming eventually because people are just getting accustomed to staying at home and getting paid. And it, it's going to affect our culture if it hasn't already. But I just think at one point you just can't, you're going too far. I think they'll do other things like Chris was talking about. Make it to where you basically can't survive unless you're vaccinated. Forcing masks again. Things like that. But I think even that by next year will be gone. And I think it'll be gone because I think many Americans, particularly those in cities now, have kind of felt a little bit of a rebirth without the mask on and stuff. I think we're going to just be too far. And then you enjoy places like South Dakota, where I was, where no one was wearing a mask. Like, Nobody was, except in the government buildings when you have to. Otherwise, nobody was. So I don't think there'll be a lockdown. I do think there'll be other things that will go around the lockdown, but not but not the actual lockdown. Hello from Tokyo. How are you? Um, I'm an early Zoomer or late millennial, and Zoomers worry me. We, uh, with hive mind opinion around what the mainstream media pushes. Welcome back, Larry. Yes, thank you. Um, Torrance, I think you're right with that. And one of the things is I feel like Zoomers have grown up with an overload of information. I mean, massive overload of information. And they don't know where to go. To It becomes overwhelming. And they don't know where to go or they're not taught, particularly in school, they're not taught how to get three or four or five sources in an issue that they care about. They're not even taught how to dig down into an issue they care about. You can't be an expert on everything. Nobody can, right? It's impossible. But surely there are things that you care about. And as a Zoomer, you might care about, you know, whatever, the debt, or you might care about foreign uh, policy, or you might care about monetary policy, or you might care about the drug war, or whatever you might care about. What we do is we go, who do I trust? Or who is popular? And I accept their opinion on that thing not the best way of doing things, right? You should say, well, I care about this issue. Let me listen to three, four, five, six, eight different sides and go, huh, which one's right? Which one's wrong? Which one has a a kernel of truth? Which one's complete garbage? Which one's on the money? And I think that's that's what you want to do. If you ever notice, very often when I pick a video or I pick a TV show or something, talk about an issue, There are many options, but I literally go through three or four of them and try to pick the one that I think is the closest or the most interesting 
or the most controversial, and I'll pick that one and then go over it. I think many Zoomers aren't trying to do that. Very few of them are. And why do I say that? Because I look at what my daughters are going through, and my daughters are both Zoomers. And in many cases, they just show up and wait to be told what to do, most of their peer group. My daughters tend not to because I push them to not do that, obviously. That's what I push them to not do that. But many do. And then the person who's in authority, whatever that authority person is, goes, here is the thing. And they go, okay, that's the thing. It's a very common, they, they've been taught to just do that. So I hope that makes sense. So uh, Dustin says, yeah, I hear you, but it's hard for me to have hope in a Tide Pod Challenge Super Generation. Dustin, we got no choice. In 30, 40 years, they're running everything. So whether you like the Zoomers, hate the Zoomers, don't care about the Zoomers, in 30, 40 years, they're running everything. So we kind of have to have hope. And that was actually also my point. I made a secondary point. While I said I thought Zoomers were, were could be a potentially more dangerous to liberty, they're also the most important to liberty. And the best part is they're, mal- they're, they're malleable. You can turn them. What most Zoomers actually want, they don't actually want socialism. They want an answer that they think will solve their problems. They've been taught that answer is socialism. If we can show them the answer is actually liberty, they'll go along with it. If we can show them. My problem is, Dustin, we are often bad messengers, or we attack them or get mad at them, and then they push away. And then the left goes, hey, we're here. Be socialist. You get free stuff. And they go, free stuff? That's awesome. And they jump on board. So while I think you are correct, I also think we have no choice if we want to fix the nation to rely upon the Zoomers and to help move them towards us to the best of our ability. So yes, and I guess is my answer. So Andrea says, I'm Gen X. Me too. So I see that both are good people and have good and bad ideas. We wanted to talk to each other to beat this political machine. Couldn't say it better. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Desert says, I wish I could have gone lack of catch. I know it, that was definitely an issue. So, um, yeah, I, I get it completely. It, it's You got to spend cash to do this and to raise money, right? I went there with help from sponsors, and I went there to get more sponsors, right? Because I want to be able to bring my entire team and do all my cool things. I want to do all those things. Of course I do, right? Of course I want to, you know, bring my bring my team, reward my team that busts their rump to run this show, right? All the things you see, all the posted, all that stuff, that's my team doing stuff. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Desiree. I, I wish we had um, more, if that makes any sense. I wish we, I wish I had more sponsors and more cash. I would have brought more people. I really would have. I would have brought, would have brought tons of people if I could have. So um, I brought three and myself, and then my sponsors brought a bunch. Um, by the way, my sponsors, thank you for reminding me, Desiree. My sponsors, guys, you know who they are. The Advocates, do me a favor. Thank you, Desiree, for giving me a push. Head over to the world's smallest political quiz. It's the Advocates for Self-Government. Take the world's smallest political quiz. Click that link right there. It's in the description. Click that link. Take the world's smallest political quiz. If you've taken it already, share it. Let someone else take it. This is what they, this, this helps to push everything forward it lets people know that they may be more libertarian than they thought and it makes my sponsors happy and they keep helping me out so that i can go to places like this and take my team so yes absolutely if you can please do that it does matter 
Thank you um, for even bringing this up. I do appreciate that. In fact, I think I may have a picture if I can find one here. Uh, yes, I do. Let me show you guys something. You may enjoy this. Let me share my screen and I will show you some pics. Here we go. That's uh, That was part of the booth. And that's us at the booth. So the show and, and if you look to the bottom picture to the left, there's an advocates uh, booth. They, they shared our booth to make it work. That's us. That's me with Dave Smith chatting. That's me with uh, Austin Peterson. Some of you love him. Some of you don't, but I love him. So it's all good. Dave Rubin there too. That was part of the show. So yes, a bunch. There's the mugs and that's the world's smallest political quiz that I keep talking about. It's right there. So there we go. Please. Thank you so much for giving me that, that shout out. I can do a shout out. And of course, if you, if you're, if you actually have the cash, support it. Support the show, please. Patreon.com slash Sharpway to, to make the show better. Give it more of a push so we can move forward. I do appreciate that. Let me keep going if I could. Um, John says, Tom Woods, a serious pneumonia start from his show. Yeah, and people are all saying that, it, that it's actually COVID. I have no idea if it is. I just think it's kind of funny. So... Tom, how did Maj do and how was the reception? Maj did well. Maj is Maj, right? I mean, I was there with a shirt and a suit. Maj had his same old thing. He had how to make make the hood great again shirt. That's Maj. He was uh he was fun. People love Maj. And my team loves Maj. Oh my God. We had dinner with him at um a reception on Saturday night. Oh, they love Maj. So yeah, he was fine. People love him. He's good. I'm happy he's still with us. I was worried that we would lose Maj after his um, election in Philadelphia, but he stayed. And I am very happy that happened. Very happy. Um, good to see you back. Thank you, Steve. Uh, Shelly says, young libertarians. Sweet. Yes, I saw many of them. Um, and that was very uh, in, hmm, inspiring. I'll use that word. Is that okay, Tom? There's your word. I will use that. So um, was anyone doing an impression of William Wallace and Screaming Freedom? No, but there was a guy who was doing a Lincoln impersonation. And it was actually really good. Like, I don't know if you guys like Lincoln or not, whatever, but his impersonation was really good. He did a really good Lincoln impersonation. So let's see if I can show you. I have some more pics. I'll show you some more here. And you'll see. Hold on. Um, I think I may have him in this one. I'm not sure if I do or not. Um, all right. That's me on stage. This is the Boomer Zoomer. Left is the Zoomers. Right is the Boomers. And second from the left is uh, Hannah Cox, who I was talking about, right? That's us there, me talking and yapping, trying to look like I'm important. I don't know if it works or not, but I was literally trying in front of my booth. Um, again, in front of my booth. Um, again, there's, there's the advocates there, just talking up a storm with everyone, trying to make things happen. It was very good. By the way, yes, that was indeed the one and only Scott Horton was there and Gene Epstein, if you can see them there, for those of you who know those two, absolutely. More people chatting. Part of my team there also. And is Lincoln? And there's Lincoln. There we go. That's the Lincoln impersonator. So there was a Lincoln impersonator. That's him right there. There was a Lincoln impersonator right there. Look how tall he was. Had the hat. Didn't bring the hat in, but had the hat and everything. A truck outside. Very nice. It's me getting. I did a lot of interviews. This is one of the interviews I did in front of it. And if you look at the bottom right hand corner of this picture, you see the book on happiness. There. That is the special edition only for Freedom Fest. Because if you look out the window. You will see Mount Rushmore that my lovely and talented daughter, Barbara Sharp, drew. So that's her artwork on that uh, book. So I hope that's interesting for you. So, yeah, um, hope that did answer your question. 
All righty. Um, let's see here. Um, hold on. Uh, yes, I'm positive my dad's mother, my parental godmother was registered as libertarian. Oh, awesome, Andrew. I appreciate that. Yes. Josiah says, for all Tennessee. Yes, thank you. This is, uh, for those of you interested in, specifically if you're in Tennessee or near Tennessee, specifically there, if you want to get some actual things done, head on over to foralltn.org, which you see right here. Josiah is showing us this. Great organization. Lots of good stuff going on. I'll be seeing how I can make uh, make some impact there too. Please check them out. Thank you so much for putting that out there. Yes. All right. Are Zoomers the participation trophy generation? I think millennials are too, Christine. I think it's worse with Zoomers, but I think millennials too. Yeah. Jeff says, so happy to hear about the younger crowd being there. That's encouraging at least. Yes. It seems like the vast majority have been indoctrinated. I would agree with you, Jeff. I, I think it's a good sign, but we're nowhere near where we need to be, right? But it is a good sign. That's true. It is a good sign, but we are not where we need to be at all. We we have to keep going. So, all right. Um, um, Iman says, selfishly wishing you sell in North Carolina. <laughs> yes, I, I appreciate that. Yes, I appreciate that. Um, Gene says, I taught my sons that life isn't fair. Thank you. I've taught my daughters the same. I wish more people had taught their kids this. That's our problem. Yes. All right. Gil says, hi, Larry. I'm a teacher that began in service today, and I'm already fed up. Oh, my God. What are your solutions for fixing education for all sides, teachers, students, parents? This is a, is a good one, right? This is a good question. And there are many ways that you can fix it. And to be forward, the system is broken. One thing isn't going to fix anything. It's a, it's many things to do, right, to fix this. But let me give you a couple just so you we're, we're clear. Number one, you want to end the federal dollars coming in. That is a critical thing you have to do. Now, the hard part is for some, for certain states, that's a lot of money. So you've got to be able to pick up or cut back either one, getting rid of the federal funds. In New York State specifically, we get about, is it six or seven billion dollars from the federal government for education in that area? It's a lot of money. However, our education budget is over $60 billion. So yeah, I know some of you are like, what? That's the that's the budget of probably most states. And that's just our education budget in New York State. So we spend about twenty-eight, twenty-nine thousand dollars per kid in New York State, something like some insane number like that. I don't know what the numbers are now. The the budget's all over the place because of COVID and the lies they put together for that. So I have to guess now when I say about $28,000 per kid. But that's the first thing. Why does that matter? You might go, well, Larry, it's, it's extra money. Why does, why does that matter? Several reasons. You might ask yourself, why in the world do we not have things like civics in most New York State schools? Right? Why is that hard to find? Right? Why do we, why do we don't have um, you know, shop or, or home ec as much as we used to? Why don't we have these types of electives? Why, why is it harder to find them? Because they're not on the test. And how do schools get rewarded? By their test scores. That's how the money comes in from the state and from the federal government. So now they basically force the way you have to teach to the test. That's number one. And they say, Larry, is that so bad? Don't we want our kids to know math and, and reading? We do. We do. Uh, that's true. But those standardized tests have absolutely no indication on success in life at all. You could be a great test taker and fail at whatever you do. Or be a great test taker and do well. Or the reverse, be a terrible test taker and do great or do poorly. They don't. There's no indication of that, right? 
And the odds are you'll fail at certain things and succeed at others, regardless of your test scores. So the scores don't, don't show success at all. So that's step one. I mean, that's part one. It's the second part to this. Schools are also given cash by, guess what else? The amount of kids they put into college. So you got to push kids into college. So what are you doing? How, what do you need to get into college? Pass tests. So they push more to testing. So it's all about passing a test. Here's the hard part that many of you already know, but most kids don't know and most parents refuse to accept. Once you get out of school, testing is useless. Testing is useless. I did great at my test. Okay, can you do the job? No, I can't do the job and you don't give me enough attaboys. So I'm a crappy worker. I don't care if you're a crappy worker. I mean, I don't care if you're unhappy, be a good worker. No, no, I do testing well. I need you to be a good worker. Well, I test well, you're fired. Get out. I can't find help. Let me hire undocumented workers. You wish I was joking, but you know I'm not, right? So that's another reason. So of course, what does that mean? You got kids in school who should be in trade schools and they're sitting in high schools, learning things like calculus or something or that kind of thing, which they will never use. Here's the harshest part. And for some of you, you're going to be upset. For the vast majority of children, not all, but the vast majority, the stuff they're learning in high school is utterly useless. They will never use it ever again, ever. It will have no value. And I mean zero. That's not all. For most, if that's true, and you may not believe me, you don't have to. It's still true either way. I have kids in high school now, and they just, it's your marking time until you either go to, to uh, prison or the military or college or some minimum wage job. It's a, it's, a, it's a holding pen. That's what high school is for the majority of kids. It's a holding pen. That's why the last year of, of high school for most kids is what? Study hall, smoking weed, video games, and gym or whatever. That's about all it is, right? For the last year of high school. That, that's why it is. It's a holding pen. So we have to change that entire piece. So instead, money should come not even from property tax. Money should come directly from the state, flat fee, to each district based upon the number of kids there. And that's it. That's it. It doesn't matter what the grades are. doesn't matter if they're good grades, bad grades. doesn't matter whether they go to college or not. The district gets cash. Why does that matter? The district gets cash is divvied out amongst its schools. So what will happen by default? The dollars follow the kid. If you leave your district, that money now goes with your kid. If you go to different schools, that money goes to your school. So by default, I'm creating school choice by default because the money follows the kid. What does that mean? That means more kids will want to be in those schools because the parents are picking it and the kids are picking it. And you know, as teacher, if you got if you got a class full of kids who want to be there, it's a whole lot easier than spending half your time disciplining kids who don't want to be there. And of course, I talk about a K through 10 plan, which means at 10th grade, 16, 16 years old, you get your high school diploma as long as you pass your test. Whether you're homeschooled, private school, public school, I don't care. Did you go to school? Can you pass this one test? All I want you to pass one test. Has pass or fail? 66, 100. I don't care. Did you pass? High school diploma. Now you got two years, do something else. Trade school. Prep school if you want to be a doctor or a lawyer. Like if you want to be a professional, like a doctor or a lawyer, high school should be how you prep yourself to go into those fields, shouldn't it? Because what if you do, and people know this, you take a year of law and go, wow, I don't want law. Law sucks. Learn that when you're 17, not 23. 
or I go into biology and I say, I don't want to be a doctor. Okay, great. Learn that when you're 17, not when you're 24. All good. Start that now. That was my whole plan in New York State. K through 10, then head off two years. The state gives you $20,000. Meko, that's a lot of money. It's not. We dropped 28000 per kid. It's only 10000 per year. Big saving. $20,000. You got five years to use it. Good luck. Trade school, prep school, specialized school, um, associate's degree. If you're that smart kid who can pass all the tests and you're a brainiac kid, why am I holding you back for two years? Go to college now. Some kids are that smart. Some aren't book smart. Some hate tests. Those kids are not going to go to college right away. They may not even go to college. Better they go to trade school. And just go to a trade school. Don't also take other things. Go to the school that teaches you a trade so that by the time you're 18, you either already have the license, if it's that kind of trade, or at least you're ready to become an apprentice, either one, depending on the trade you pick. How about that? Imagine being 18 years old and able to make money like that. Not a bad deal. And guess what? If you want to go back to college later, maybe you spend three, four years in the field. You say, you know what? I'm going to go further. Go get a college degree. There are many ways to fix it. Those are a couple of ways you can fix it, right? That's Those are a couple of ways you make things better. Because what winds up happening in the plan I'm talking about, you lose a bunch of administrators. And I don't know you your specific situation, Gil, but I'm going to bet one of the things that bothers you more than anything else is your administrators. Why? Because almost every teacher I've ever spoken to has told me exactly that. Probably nine in 10 have told me that. These damn administrators, blah, 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 right? So here's, if, if I know you at all, Gil, maybe I don't, but I'm going to do some guessing from people I've, I've met. You took many years to become a teacher. You went through all types of schooling, credentialing, all types of stuff, experience, internships, all those types of things, maybe even substitute teaching, all to become a teacher because you wanted to make a difference, because you wanted to be a teacher. And you got in and then went, great, you have all this stuff. Now we're going to tell you exactly what to do. Well, then why did you get all that credentialing? If they're going to tell you exactly what to do, hire people out of high school. Why are you forcing people to get credentials? Why are you forcing them to go to school? If I'm going to tell you everything to do, just hire high school graduates to be teachers. If I'm going to trust anybody with my kid, and we have to trust somebody because that's how the world works, I'd rather trust a teacher than an administrator. An administrator is an administrator because it's a good job. A teacher is a teacher because they want to be a teacher. If I have to pick which one, I'm a trust teacher. Now, will teachers make mistakes? Yes, they're human beings. And there's bad teachers. Absolutely happens. But there's a whole lot worse administrators. And when they make a problem, uh, everybody suffers. A teacher, it's one classroom, one group of kids. We can hopefully fix it. Administrators create havoc for decades. So I hope I answered some of your questions, Gil. I could do a whole show just on education. Hope that was good. So thank you. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, Christine says, your paycheck is your patent pack for showing up. I like that. It's very good. I remember my, my, our drill instructors in, our, uh, in the Marine Corps used to say, never thank me. The government thanks me every two weeks. I remember that. So yes, thank you. That's good. Let me see if I keep going down the road here. Um, my two cents says, that vaccinated stuff is nuts. They even got Trump to tell people to get the vaccine. It makes no sense. This guy got sick and went to the hospital with COVID and said that he still won't take the shot. I'm not sure where you're going with this one. 
I, I don't know what you're saying. Um, let me give you let me give you my view on vaccines. I am not anti-vax at all. If you want to get a vaccine, please get a vaccine. Particularly if you're in the age range with 65 or 60 and older, you have pre-existing conditions, please be great. Go get one. If you don't want one, it's your life. It's your life, right? If you're concerned, get a vaccine. If you're not, it's a, do what you want. It's I think the government's job, the government's job, fine in one way. It made it to where anyone, anyone who wants a vaccine can get one. That I'm fine with. And in my view, that's where you stop. It's available. It's free. You want one, you could get one. You want to give one to your kid if they're over 12, is it? I think it's 12, whatever the number is, right? Whatever. You want to give it to them? Give it to them. Life is good. You don't? Okay. That's where I am. I don't know what other people are. I'm always going to err on the side of you own your body. You own your life. I'm always going to err on that side. But Larry, what are the people who are immune compromised? Then maybe they should wear a mask then, shouldn't they? I don't mean to be mean. And to be clear, that's not to be mean. My mom, before COVID, had cancer before she died. Chemotherapy. Her immune system was shot. Shot from chemo. But she wanted to spend time with my daughter, her granddaughter, before she passed. She was stage four. So she's like, I'm going out. And the doctor said, Do at least wear a mask. She's like, okay. And she wore a mask out. Why? Because she was immune compromised. Why didn't that exist now? If you're immune compromised, do the thing your doctor tells you. And that's special, is it the N95 mask? Am I getting it right? Wear the N95 mask and go out if you have a problem. I don't, I don't understand why we're going crazy over this. Maybe I'm wrong, right? People are saying, well, the people who are dying are unvaccinated. I don't want them to die. And I think if you're in that kill zone of COVID, I think it's terrible if you're not getting a vaccination. And I would tell that you should get one. If you're in that zone that that COVID is going to kill you, and we know what that zone is, you should get a vaccine. Because whatever worry you might have about the vaccine, whatever that worry might be, the odds are a whole lot better than getting COVID if you're in that zone. If you're in that zone, you're in trouble. So I think you should get it. I just have no right to force you. I, I, it's you own your life. You own your body. I don't. But if you're listening and you're in that zone, please get the vaccine because that's a real thing. I, I'm not concerned about kids. I know people get upset, but I'm not. The kids just, they tend to not get it. They tend to not have bad reactions. And they tend to not spread it. And so why do I care about vaccinating kids? I personally don't. But if, but your kid. If you want to vaccinate your kid, vaccinate your kid. That's all I'm saying. So I hope that was clear. Thank you. Um, they are training us to expect money from the government. You're right. And it's working. It's working. There, there are single moms now doing TikTok dances with their checks for their kids. Yes, it's working. Um, some of you are going to be angry when I say this, but I'll say it anyway. I'm starting to change my mind on UBI. Only because I don't think it's going away. And now what's happening is we're getting accustomed to keeping all the bad stuff we have now and getting more money. If we're going to do more money giveaways. Oh, my God. I hate giving them saying it. But if we're going to do it, if, if, if Libertarian Kim, if you're right, and I think you're right, because I'm, I'm saying the same thing. Let's make it to where all the bad things go away. And it's just one check. It's just one thing. I'm not sure how this is going to work yet. I will have a plan coming up here because it, it kind of came to me 
while I was in uh, Freedom Fest talking to people who were also thinking the same thing like, Larry, how are we get around this? Same thing you're thinking, Kim. How do we get our society out of this? I don't, I don't see a realistic way. Yell at them doesn't work. So let's find a better way of handling this and not just keeping everything bad and adding more money on top. There's got to be a better way of dealing with it. And hopefully one where we can climb out of it. I don't have an answer yet, but I will come up with one in the next week or so. It, it is a problem. I'm agreeing with you, Kim. This, is, this training exercise is working, 100%. Yes. So, all right. Um, anybody else out there sick of their GOP reps bitching about the debt despite voting for all Trump spending? They vote, look, yes and. I have to end this one. And they voted for Obama spending and for Bush's spending and for Clinton's spending. And they're going to vote for Biden spending. So, yes. Right? Yes, the GOP is doing exactly the same thing. When it's Trump on top, vote for his spending. And now Democrats, vote for Biden spending. Democrats vote for Obama spending. The Republicans vote for Bush's spending. That's the one thing that's constantly, right? I'll give Democrats this, though. I'll give the Democrats something. I always want to give credit where credit is due. Democrats have stopped even pretending. They're like, nope, more money. Just more money. They have that um, oh modern modern money monetary theory MMT. I did a show on it a couple of months back. If you can look at that modern monetary theory. You're gonna check it out on the YouTube page. I did a show on this. This is the idea that you could just spend whatever you want. I'm not joking. For those of you who don't know, that's that's a thing. Democrats have just said, well, with modern monetary money and the uh, money theory and the uh, and the Fed, we can just keep spending. It doesn't matter. So at least the Democrats, I'll give them this, they've stopped pretending that debt matters. They're like, nope, doesn't matter. They laugh at Pete. He goes 28 trillion, they go, psh, oh my beer. Back 35 trillion, 70 trillion, who cares? So yes, the one thing that the GOP does not have is they still talk about fiscal responsibility. So that they talk about it and then don't do it. Democrats just giving up. Nope, pocketbook. Always full. If you're a Democrat, always full. Doesn't matter. So yes. Shelly says uh, that our country hasn't declared New York a rogue state is alarming and telling. It's actually funny. Yes. Torrance said, your absence gave me a reason to listen to your older interviews. Howie, Lincoln, Chafee, and Maj were great conversation. Thank you so much, Torrance. Yes. For those of you who care, you can head over to um, my podcast if you want to. You click the link, the link tree link. Thank you, Torrance. The link tree link um, in this uh, description We'll give you uh, ability to look at all my podcasts. You want to listen to them. Or you can just go to the YouTube page and go back. You can just search. Search uh, Maj Ture, Larry Sharp, Lincoln Chafee, Larry Sharp, and you'll see my older interviews. I've done two or three interviews with Howie Hawkins. So, yeah, please go back. And what I like about Howie constantly is Howie's open. He is a open socialist. He doesn't hide anything. He's like, here's where I am. Here's what we're doing. That's it. And and I prefer, I prefer mask off, Torrance. Mask off. Tell me who you are. Boom. And I do believe that Howie believes his way is best. I think he thinks he's doing the right thing in everything he does. I do believe that. So I actually like him. So yes. All right. Um, M.W. Knox says, I'm incoming freshman at a university. If lockdowns come back, I might drop out and flee to someone that doesn't have a culture that's hostile to humanity. You know, it's a, it's a valid point, right? My... College is going to have to change coming up. It just is. 
right now, to be very forward, if any of you are going to be upset, I'm sorry, but you know I'm always going to tell, tell you the truth. College right now is absolutely not worth it. 100% not worth it. The amount of money you spend on college for what you get, 100% not worth going. They have to lower the cost of college. And if it were me and my plan, be a very simple one to make this happen. Change. I would rather there be no government loans for college, but that's never going to pass. Americans still want their government money. We've already discussed this already. So, okay, limit it. All you get, period, no matter what, maximum, 10,000 bucks a year. So it gets guaranteed by the government, nothing else. 10 grand, nothing else. You get 10 grand, that's it. Watch how college tuition becomes 10 grand a year. Done. You make a 10 grand a year, it's a lot. No, most colleges are 20, 30, 40, 50,000 dollars a year. Oh, I had a sneeze all of a sudden. I guess I, don't, I, guess I have something against college. I make it 5,000 dollars a year, whatever, right? But 10,000 bucks a year, that's all you get, nothing else. Watch what will happen. All the degrees that are actually relatively useless, their value will come down. They'll only be 10,000 bucks. Why? Because a bank is not going to want to have unsecured debt for someone who can't pay it back. So you do that, plus allow people to go bankrupt and get rid of debt, discharge the debt in bankruptcy. You can discharge the debt in bankruptcy and then limit it to only 10,000 bucks guaranteed. Anything else? Good luck, bank. In which case, banks will only start giving out $10,000 each. That's all they'll give. So if your degree is not a good degree, meaning your degree won't get you stuff, the price goes down to $10,000 a year at max, probably less, because you'll be competing for that now, because all degrees will be $10,000 a year. So you have to complete not only on the degree, but also on the, on the price. There'll be price competition by default. Because now if I get $10,000 and your degree is only $8,000 a year, I got $2,000 for the things like my rent or my books or whatever the case may be. So everything will begin to change. Now, will some degrees stay expensive? They will. But like engineering and medical and law, because those degrees tend to get you more cash. So the banks will be more happy with you doing that because they know the odds are higher that you'll make more money to pay it back. So the odds of you having more people who have master's degrees in you know public administration or something like that who work at Starbucks now with $130,000 of debt will go away. So yes, that has to change. College is another disaster education. It's embarrassingly bad. And our answer is give it away for free versus make it better. It's garbage. It's garbage. And if you've gone to college, you know what I'm talking about. Most of it's garbage. So sorry about that. So. All right. Um, Josiah says, thoughts on connecting the co-opting conversations of UBI immigration with the federal income tax repeal. I don't know how you do that. Maybe. I'm open to it. I already had a reparations plan, which I put out last year, um, which is still good. People, by the way, people talked about that at Freedom Fest like there's no tomorrow. They talked about it, talked about it, talked about it. Yes. I'm come up, trying to come up with a plan that doesn't punish people and is limited and doesn't just write a check. People seem to like it. So I've got to find the same thing for UBI. Maybe there's a way of getting the income tax go away too. One step at a time. I got, I can only do one thing at a time. I appreciate that. Yes. All right. So if I can do this here. All right. Um, this here. Um, your opinion on what the Mises caucus is up to now. And did you go to pork fest? Um, the Mises caucus does what it does. Same old thing, trying to move stuff forward. Good on them. I know there are people who don't like them. Well, 
I don't know, counter recruit and make a bigger caucus that will beat them. I'm okay with that. I'm I'm pro all the caucuses. Let's just move more people into the party. Oh, good. So good luck, Mises. Whatever you do, good luck. And good luck. What's, what's the other one? Cathedral? Is it whatever the other caucus is? Good luck, other caucus that is fighting them. Good luck to both of you. I hope you all grow like there's no tomorrow and bring thousands of people to the movement. Good. I did not go to, to, to Workfest. I didn't go. Sorry. I, I tend to go to more mainstream stuff like Freedom Fest. So, yes. All right. Um, let's see here if I can do this here. Um, what's your opinion on the post-COVID new normal? What does it really mean? Normalizing government overreach. Oh, yes. Um, there are several pieces, right? One is cultural, one's government. The thing about government, which you brought up, which is very good, Torrance, is the idea that government overreach, the Overton window has been moved. Really has. Now government can tell you to stay in your home. Because it can tell you to wear a mask. Because it just does. Yes, you have never thought that was true before, Right. You would have never, but it is, it can tell you, yeah, it can do that. And that's fine. It can do whatever it can. It can deem you non-essential. I know happened to me. It can do all those things. And the new normal, um, it is new. It isn't what it was. You're going to see people scared of each other, worried and looking much more to, um, to government for the answers. Yeah. And it breaks us up, right? You've got one group that says, Whatever the authority says is true. And you have the other side that says nothing that authority says is true. And both are wrong. And that's a new normal. A new normal is two groups. Everything the government says is wrong. Everything the government says is right. And they're both wrong. Because some things the government says is true. And some things are lies. Yeah, absolutely. So Michael says there are a lot of Liberty Zoomers. I met many of them. I do. Absolutely. Philip asks, do you think that the millennials are like the World War I or World War II generation, recession wars, et cetera? No, I don't. Um, I don't. I think there's a different environment, right? I, I get where you're going, right, because of the things that have happened. Um, but the, re- the recession, I think, was actually more devastating back then and the wars were more devastating back then than they are now. Yes, I think that's the difference. That makes them a little bit different. Yeah. All right. So if I keep going here, uh, see if I can go down here. Um. Uh, Gene says I'm confused. What age group is a Zoomer? Generally speaking, a Zoomer is someone who was under, I think, 23, 23, 24. So their teenagers and early 20s are Zoomers. Teenagers and early 20s are Zoomers. Older 20s to about 40, give or take, in that area, something like that, 35, is Millennials. Um, and then Gen Xers are from there to around 55-ish or so. Uh, Gen Xers, over 55, um, if I'm not mistaken, um, is uh, in that area, is Boomers. And I think is it over... Over 85 or something like that. Over 80, I think, is, um, I think over 80 is greatest generation still. I think so- something like that. I'm, I'm about, it's in that area. I hope that was clear. You can just Google it and they'll give you the list. And it, they change, by the way. They change. 
So it's greatest generation is people born before World War II, right? 19, er, 1945 and earlier is greatest generation. Um, born 1945 to 1965, I think, is it about right, is, is the boomers. 65 to like 1985, I think, is Gen Xer. And like 85 to like 90 or, no, is that right? No, I got it wrong. I'm messing it up. Is it to 80? It was to 80. Maybe it's 65 to, yeah, 65 to 80. Yes, I'm sorry. It's Gen Xer. Then 80 to like 80, 95 or something is like millennial and like 90. Not, mm. It's like that. Look it up. I'm sorry. I've forgotten. I, I'm, I'm messing it up completely. I apologize. But it's something like that. Yes. There we go. Shelly says, boomers were born between 46 and 64. Thank you. There we go. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. And now, now you mess with me. Libertarian math with Larry. Yeah, not going well. Clearly not going well. I appreciate that. Yes, not, not going well at all. So let me grab some more of your comments here. I do appreciate this. Tony says, progressives want to get as close as possible to social utopia. And this pandemic puts them there. Stay home and they'll send money. This is a very valid point, Tony. I'm glad you brought this up, right? The, this has been a, a boom for socialists. It really has. It's allowed people to get as you know, accustomed to stay home and write you a check, right? It really has made them accustomed to it and doing what the government says when the government says so. It has made things better for them. I, I, absolutely. I think it pushed it forward. But so did our last crash. Our last crash did two. The last crash from the real estate bubble made a lot of people, particularly kids who came out of school, you know, in 2008, 9, 10, 11, and 12, they came out to nothing. They came out to a terrible job market. And they were like, I got nothing, man. And then when some of them started to hustle and make some cash by 2020, now it crashed again. Like, I just, I just, got, a, I just got a spot. Like, I'm here now. And boom, crashed again. So many of them are like, you know what? No, no. So I triggered Nate and the Fed. No UBI, I'm triggered. No, I'm, Nate, you know I'm with you, brother. I'm just trying to be realistic. I mean, can we get out of it? You know, I, if, you got, if you got a way that we can get out of it, I'm in. I'm not a fan of UBI. I've never been a fan of UBI. But I'm just trying to say, if we're going to go down that road, I don't want to take their version of it. Their version will be far harder than anything that a libertarian can come up with. And the, the concept is some type of, of negative income tax. Um, you know, Milton Friedman talked about it. So there, there, is, there is a way to make it more libertarian. And I think we have to, right? We just, we just have to come up with an answer. We, if we don't have an answer, Nate, they're going to make the worst possible plan they can. I don't want that. Yes. So, yeah, we had that talk about you by your green event two Thursdays ago. Yeah, I know. Yes, we kind of have to. Yes. Christine says, I'm, I'm unvaccinated and immune having had a bad case. I have the antibodies standing at my door. Well, that's my point, Christine. Um, it's not my place to force you, even if I thought you were wrong. I don't think you're wrong. But if I did. So what? I can tell you if I think you're wrong. Christine, I think you're wrong. You should get the vaccine anyway or whatever. I don't think that. But if I thought that I have every right to tell you that, 
and you have every right to ignore me or to agree with me, whichever you think is appropriate. I don't have a problem with them using the bully pulpit to talk about it. I don't. I know people get mad even at that. That does not make me angry. If you want to use your bully pulpit to talk about this all day long, no worries. You can talk about it. The second you start talking about going into people's homes or making vaccine passports, now I start getting concerned, right? That's my concerning piece. That's my problem. So, yes. All right. Um, B. Davies says, hi, Larry. Great talk. Do you think we'll see a libertarian society in our lifetime? Um, depends how old you are. Um, can we get a more libertarian society in the next 10 or 15 years? Yes, I think we can. Um, in 2016, I had a 10-year plan. I got five years left. And my plan was supposed to end with there being a libertarian presence at the federal level, right? An elected libertarian at the federal level. Whether that be, I would hope president, but obviously that's that's a tough one. But at least a congressperson, a senator, something by 2026. If we have a really good 2022, then an amazing 2024, I think that can happen. And if we do that, yeah, because, and, and the reason isn't because that individual will be there and change everything. That's not the reason. The reason is that individual will have a bully pulpit, will be able to talk and all the things that we talk about here. So the couple thousands, the thousands of people who watch this in a, in a low, in a low show, I get what? 2000 people watching in a high show. I get six, 7,000 total over all of the, I stream this live on like six different places in all the places I stream it. And then over time, that's about what I get. So I get thousands of people, which is nice, but not enough to move policy. But now we get somebody who is who is uh, elected. They get millions to hear them. Hopefully they have me in their ear. That's my hope. And they get millions of people, right? That's really what I think is going to be the big thing. And people are going, oh, yeah, this makes sense. I don't have enough people who are watching the show. I'm happy. Lots. Thousands is awesome. It's just not millions. If you want to help, you can. Like, comment, share. See, you gave me a chance to say that. So please, guys, like, comment, share. Get more people to watch this stuff. It does matter. And please make sure you follow me on Facebook and on Twitter at The Sharp Way in case I get canceled so I can move from Lottery Sharp to Sharp Way. So please follow all the Sharp Way stuff. It does matter on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook. And keep my sponsors happy. Click that link there. Go to World's Smallest Political Quiz. Click it and take it and then share it. If you've taken it already, no worries. Share it anyway and ask your friends to take it. That is a cool thing they like. It makes them happy. I like it. It spreads liberty. Makes people think about what, what, what's important to them and hopefully draws more people to us and, and makes this show possible. Right? If you click that link tree link in the description, you will see that we've got podcasts and TikTok and special things and the book is coming out. All kind of stuff is happening. And that's because people are supporting the show either through my sponsor, please do that, or through like, commenting, and sharing, all free. But if you've got cash, support the show. Patreon.com slash Sharpway. 10 bucks and you're in. 10 bucks, you're supporting us. We appreciate it. It does matter. Please, please do that to the best of your ability. So let me grab another one. Avi says, hey, Larry, saw your awesome picks from Freedom Fest. Yep. With John McWhorter. Yeah, he's a great guy. The Prager You Girl. Yep. Dave Rubin, Austin Peterson, Atheist for Liberty, and Dave Smith. Yes, uh, I was with all of them saying hi, people recognizing me. 
Absolutely. I'm trying to grab everybody. I'm greedy. Avi, I'm greedy. I want 7 billion libertarians. I do. I can't have them right away, but I want them as soon as I possibly can. So yes, as many as I possibly can, I want them all. Um, you are leading the charge in bringing the, the libertarian utopia, hopefully. Yes. Is there any way to get recordings of the panels you participated in? Yes, actually. That's funny you bring that up. Avi. I applied for them uh, today. Yeah, today I applied for them and I should get them within two weeks. When I get them, I will post them so you can look at them all if you want to. Absolutely. Yes, I will. So, all right. Uh, David said, the school should be run by the neighborhoods. Um, I would say districts. I think a neighborhood might be too small. Depending on your neighborhood, right? I mean, some neighborhoods, yes. But I think district's fine. Isn't that local enough, right? Um, if it's too small, you, you don't get a good enough cross-section of the world to give your kids the best education. You do want a cross-section of people. So my view, would I take neighborhoods over federal government? Yes, I would, David. But I think in my view, really the district is a better way of doing it. It gives you a big enough cross-section of groups of people and to, to make better decisions. I, I like that. In my view, I think it's, I think that's a, a better way uh, of doing it. So, yeah. My two cents says it's sad when companies like Comcast can't find people to answer their phone and do data entry with some troubleshooting. Calls are being routed to India. It's telling. Yes. India and the Philippines. And the Philippines. Yes. Gene says, imagine how affordable college would be if you could just study what you needed for your career. Yeah. Yes. Or I'll go someplace else. What if you just want to go to college to learn how to think? That's not a bad thing. But why does that cost $40,000 a year? That's a $5,000 degree. All you're buying is books and guys and gals to talk with. And maybe you want that. And I don't mind that. But that's maybe five grand a year. Maybe. Maybe less. Well, if you want to do that, because either you're in a position where you don't care about making money. That could be one thing. Maybe you have a wealthy family or your, your spouse is wealthy or whatever, or you don't care. You're just like, look, I just, I don't care if I make a lot of money. No worries. I'm not judging you. But why is your degree going to be $40,000 a year? Take literature and all the cool things you want. It's five grand a year. You can do it for four years. I hope you get a decent job that can pay that debt off. And if not, you'll handle it. Or you'll go back to school for an, another degree. That'll give you the thing that you want to get the cool job you want. If you want the cool job, maybe you just want to be an entrepreneur and you want to learn about philosophy. I'm okay with that. I'm not judging you on what you think is important. All good. Do what you think is going to work for you. But why is it so damn expensive for degrees that don't produce anything? That's my biggest concern, right? That's my biggest concern. Maria says, fact, I went back to school for my degree and it's a joke. Yeah. My job doesn't ask for homework, tests, or essays. Thank you, Maria. Yes. It's hard trying to get it through the professors that school isn't real life. Yes, yes, and yes. 100%. Totally true. It's not working at all. Yes. All right. Um, let's see here. Uh, John says, your education plan is still genius even after all this time. It's still a better system than what we have. And, and John, you know what? This is one of the things that I'm most proud of from the campaign in 2018. If you go to my LarrySharp.com page and on my policies, I haven't changed them in three years, and they still work. And if we had those policies three years ago, we'd have been in a better position in every way, even through COVID. I am validated, not that people care, because most don't, but I feel better at least. I'm validated. The things that I talked about and put up there 
Yes, 100%. That's what it was. That's what it was. So I appreciate that. Thank you. 100%. Um, hi, Larry. Can you interview Larry Elder? Do you have a connection? Bring him on. I don't, sure. Bring him on. If you have a connection, reach out to him. Tweet him. Tell him he's talked to me. Happy to have him on. Happy to have him on. Yes. So, um, Ryan says, public school is literally first and foremost is free daycare. Fight me. I'm not going to fight you because you're right. I'm not fighting you, Ryan. You're right. And I'm not even against that. But be honest about it. Yes. Just be honest about it. I'm not going to fight you at all. You're right. Yes. 100%. So, yeah. All right. Um, David says, my old man used to tell me um, want in one hand and SH in the other. See what, see what folks up faster. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> That's very funny. Yes. Very good. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, Ryan says, I don't get the Lincoln guy. Um, he, uh, he's an impersonator and he gets paid to do that kind of stuff. So it's like promotion for him. So that's what he does. And he was good. Like he spoke like, um, he had the hat, like, um, he, he was a good Lincoln impersonator. He was, he was actually good at what he did. I was, I was happy. Tim says, I think Maj is awesome. I, I agree. I agree. Absolutely. Libertarian Kim. Maj is awesome. Thank you. Yes. Dave says, show look good. You rock, Larry. Thank you. I do appreciate that. Yes. Um, we are rocking and rolling. We're, we're making things better, right? That's what we're doing. Uh, Catherine says, any pres plans for 2024? I don't think I, at all I'm running for president in 2024. People ask me all the time. And the reason why I say it is I want impact in 2024 badly. So I want someone who's really popular in 2024. I don't think I'll be the most popular libertarian in the country then. If I believed that I was the most popular libertarian in the country in 2024, I would consider a president to run. But the odds are slim that I will be that person, so I don't think I will. Would I be open to a VP slot if the person who was running wanted me? Yes, I'm open to a support, I'm open to a support um, slot in 2024. If the person running would want me as their VP, I would happily do it. But being top of the ticket, I think I would really have to um, believe I'm the top guy in the country for that. And another reason is if I run for governor and I'm making this decision coming up here in about a month or so, I'll, I'll have an actual answer. If I do that, I'm going to spend about a year or so campaigning away from my family. Do I want to do it again right away, right after to not make impact? It's a tough one. Unless, of course, if I win the governorship, then it won't matter, will it? So if I win the governorship, I'm definitely not running in 2024. So hopefully if I run and I win the governorship, this won't be a question. I'll have to back somebody then, which is fine. I don't mind. Um, but, I, but I'm but i very much concerned about impact in 2024. I want to win some electoral votes. Um, I want to get into major media. And we need somebody who can do that. Because what we need more than anything else is for 2024, which is a great year, that in 2025 and 2026, local wins all over the place. Right? I can't get a congressperson to win in 2026 if we have a terrible 2024, I can't get a senator to win in 2026 if we have a terrible 2024. We have to have a great 2024. And if I believed that I was the perfect person to do that, I would consider running. But I do not think I'll be that person. I think there'll be somebody else who'll step up by then to be the more popular, more person, get more press, who can make more impact than I can. Um, but if you guys want to help me do it, you can. It's easy. Like, comment, share. Make me more popular, and I will consider doing it, right? 
follow me on all my uh, on all my social media so it can be more popular, and maybe I could do it. But I think that's the key, right? Popular elections are popularity contests, so they are. And I want to make sure that we have the most popular people who are still libertarians, who are still libertarians, who are uh, running. That's the piece. So yes, all right. I was going to do this here. Um, making college free only proves the value of the degree. Brian nicely said. I like that. Nicely said. Yes, that's the value of the degree. Nothing. Absolutely. 100%. So, all right. Andrew says, some of the college professors are garbage too with their ideologies and how they are teaching, he puts in air quotes, their classes. It's rare that you find a college professor who actually cares about their students. Um, that feels like a stretch to me, Andrew. There are some who are doing that. To be forward, many of them are doing it because they care about their job. Not because they don't care about the kids or the students. They care about their job. And if you don't go a certain route, you lose your job. But once they get tenure, a lot of them, they do what they want. It all depends. I'm, 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 hard for me to agree with that one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm going to be on a fence on that one. I'm not sure. So, all right. So I can get down here now. All right. Um, you got, thank you for the boomer stuff. I appreciate that. Yes. Um, Top guy or gal present. Yeah, I stand corrected, John. You are right. Top guy or gal. I still have, you know, I I try very hard to not have a gender bias in my communication. I do. I can't stand cancel culture and the world shouldn't end because you say something that doesn't make sense. But if I can be more gender inclusive, I try to. In my head still, guy is not masculine. Right in my head. In my head, guy is guy or gal. So I need to be more cognizant of saying top guy or gal. I should, or top person. So I get better at this, right? And um, it shouldn't be the end of the world if you say guy or whatever. It's not the end of the world. But if if corrected, as you did, John, thank you for that, um, I'm happy to say yes, guy or gal. I would be happy if we had a female at the top the ticket, as long as they were popular, 100%. I don't care. Just be popular. Get us in the debates. Get us an electoral vote. Set us up so that people at the local level can win. Do that. I don't care, guy or gal. But yes, absolutely. So gal or girl. Ooh, I like that. (laughs) Also good. Yes, also good. I like that. Very good. So, all right, let's keep on get down here. So, um... Torrance says, my thing about college, unless you want to be a doctor, couldn't a lab degree programs be replaced by some type of hands-on learning just four plus years in the classroom? Agreed, yes. And if you ask most, um, if you ask most lawyers, they'll tell you they learned far more when they were doing internships and such than in law school. Most will tell you that. They learned a whole lot more being actually acting as a lawyer or as a lawyer's assistant or an executive or a uh, uh, a legal secretary or acting in those ways, clerking, they learned a whole lot more than they were in college. I think, yeah, there is some, but it's also engineers should probably do some time do the same way. Doctor too, right? Doctors are going to learn some internship far more than they are in classroom. I think all of them are there, right? I, I think all of them uh, goes for all of them. Yeah, absolutely. So Amash 2024, I'd be happy if Amash ran. I don't know if he is. I'm not fighting him. I hope he, won- I hope he runs. Be great. I hope, and this makes some of you crazy. 
I hope that everybody wants to rush to try to grab our nomination. I hope all the has-beens from the Democrat Republican Party come rushing over trying to get it because that'll give us press. It's our job, though, David, to not fall for it and to actually vote in some usurper. And that could be challenging for us. At that, Our job is to not let the usurper take over, but to suck up all of their press, right? That's my goal. Suck up all their press, make it a big deal. Oh, my God, all the has-beens are coming over, all the all wannabes, right? Has-beens, all wannabes, all the people who couldn't win in the, uh, in the primaries. Come over to us. Yes, I hope so. Hope there are 20 people running for our nomination. Be amazing. All the press would get. Now, again, we have responsibility, though, to pick someone, right? That that's the issue, right? We had to pick the right person. But I hope so. Yes. So, all right. Um, let's see if I can keep going down here. Brian says local wins are the key. We are on the same page. Then remember, my libertarian brothers and sisters, for those of you who are actually libertarians, I know some of you watching aren't, but for those of you who are, remember the top of the ticket has the best chance for press, but the least chance for victory. The bottom of the ticket has the best chance for success, but the least chance of press, right? Best chance of victory, least chance of press. If the top can bring the press to the bottom of the ticket, now it has both a chance of victory and the press, now we can win. So that's the goal in my view. Not everyone agrees. Not everyone agrees. Some people do. So we'll see. John says, either way, you're on fire tonight, Larry. One of your top shows tonight. Seems like Freedom Fest inspired you. It did. It it did. Absolutely. Yeah. Brian says, Larry, isn't it interesting that as we get older, our definition of a kid uh, also raises? Yes. Let me tell you my definition of who's old and who's a youngster. If you're 20 years younger than me, you're a youngster. If you're 20 years older than me, you're old. Done. <laughs> that is, And as I move, that moves. That's it. As I move, that moves. I'm 53. So if you're 74 years old or older, sorry, you're old. If you're under 32, under, yeah, under 32, you're a youngster. That's how I see you. There's a 40-year block, which I decide is like the norm. Anyone outside of my 40-year block, you're a youngster or you're old. Sorry. I know some of you are like, wait a minute, I'm 75. Larry, call me old. I kind of am. I'm 31. You call me a youngster? Yes, I am. You're totally right, Brian. Guilty as charged. Yes. Guilty as charged. Absolutely. So that's very good. All right. I'm keep going down here if I can. Uh, Spike 2024. A lot of people like Spike. He was very popular there. A lot of people like him. So um, let's see here. Smith Sharp 24. People like Smith too. He was um, he was emceeing a bunch of stuff. He wasn't bad. But there's one way. One way that. Smith did struggle a bit. And if you're watching, Smith events watching, um, you'll know what I'm talking about here. Smith, I love you, brother. I'm just telling you there's one way. Smith tends to be a comic who is totally okay with F-bombs and being more blue. He couldn't be that blue in that one. So he was struggling a little bit. He's like, oh, I gotta can't drop all the F-bombs now. So I think it was great practice for him, by the way. Great practice because he had to now be himself without that piece right? Without that shift into the blue. So I think it was a challenge for him. I think it well, though. I think it well. So, yes. Um, Brian says, after Bill Weld, I don't think a, uh, a recently crossed over presidential candidate will get elected by delegates. I, I hope you're right, Brian. I really do. I, ho- I hope you're right. I really do. So, 
All right. Michael says, I'm 31 years old. Youngster. Andrew, five more years at 32. Youngster. That's it. David says, I'm 54 and a half and practically middle-aged. Yeah, you and I are middle-aged, my friend. <laughs> exactly right. You and I are absolutely, yes. Um, Shelly says, if you're younger than my brother, you're young. Oh, I like how you think, Shelly. That's good. I like that. If you're younger than my brother, you're young. That's good. I like that. Yeah. Jeff says, hmm, trouble with dropping F-bombs? Sounds like my kind of dude. Well, you remember, David is usually, he's a podcaster and a comedian. And in that world, who cares, right? You, you say what you're going to say. It doesn't matter, right? You can you do what you got to do to get your audience, that kind of thing. When you go to a place like Freedom Fest, you, you, you can't go to that level. So he's now going to change. He's got to shift, right, to make that shift, which is great. I think it was good practice for him because um, he'll do more of that and more and more of that as he does more of these MC gigs and more and more of these things. He'll have to do, you know, even more. So uh, MW Knox says, I'm 18, gets me a baby. No, you're all youngsters. It's all fine. It's fine. I don't mind. All youngsters. So all good. So yes, absolutely. Middle age. Are you planning on leaving to 106? Yes. Yes, Christine, I am. And next year I'll plan on living to 108. <laughs> yes, I am. Absolutely. 100%. So I hope that was good. So guys, I want to ask you one time, if you would, please take a few minutes, click one of those links to check out my link tree, see what I got going on. As I said, podcast, TikTok, my book, Patreon, all that kind of stuff is there. See if anything interests you. you want to go back and check some things out like Torrance did. It's great. Please subscribe to my YouTube channel. Please follow me on Twitter. Sharp way, not Larry Sharp, sharp way to make that specific page grow. In case you got canceled, got to have some place to go. And of course, like the page, the sharp way with Larry Sharp on Facebook. It does matter. Keep my sponsors happy. Take the world's smallest political quiz. Click that link. Take it and share it. If you took it already, no worries. Take that link. Share the link so that someone else will take it, right? All good. We want people to take that quiz. We gave out thousands of those quizzes, maybe hundreds, maybe thousands, probably a thousand quizzes at the event at Freedom Press. We gave them, we just give them out all the time. Tons of people took them. They loved it. It was great. It's a fun, fast test. Please take that quiz, share it. It makes my sponsors happy. And of course, always like, comment, and share. It does matter. If you've got cash, support it. If you like what I'm doing and you want me to keep doing it and you want me to, to, to keep you know doing this kind of thing and growing it even more, putting money into marketing to grow this more, I can. Patreon.com slash slash sharp way. Throw me 10 bucks a month. If you got big bucks, throw me 2500 bucks a month to get the big dollars. But if you don't, no worries. 10 bucks is fine. Throw me 10 bucks a month so I can keep doing this. It does matter. And of course, like, comment, and share as always. Grab a couple more of these if I can. Uh, let's see here. Um, Shelly says, I hear the worst words in the world come from Cuomo's mouth and F-bomb would be kinder. I would agree. Yes, I would absolutely agree. Yes, 100%. Um, Chip says, I have a dress cowboy hat. Ah, cowboy that I've had 35 years. If you're younger than my hat, you're a kid. <laughs> Very good. I like that. I love that. Here we go. Matt says, I need to know what is considered middle age so, so I know when to schedule my midlife crisis. Um, you know, I think the midlife crisis isn't actually an age. I think the midlife crisis has, happens when an event happens in your life that changes you, that makes you think differently, like your kids, you know, um, 
don't need you as much or you lose your job or you fail at a promotion or your business collapses or you hit your peak, right? Like you're now as good as you're going to get at your job or something like that, at least you believe you are. I think when these types of things happen, that's when you go into a midlife crisis or you get divorced or your spouse passes away or something like that happens. I think it's really event-based more than it is age-based. That's my view. And it happens somewhere between the age of, say, 35 and 55 is what usually happens in that area where something happens to make you kind of rethink stuff and go, all right, now what? Or am I doing the right thing? Or have I made mistakes that I regret too much? Or anything like that. I think that's when it happens. It's when we lose purpose and or respect or love. Why do I say those three things? My book on happiness. If you want to care about that, please head over to that link. Click the book. That's what I talk about in my book on happiness. It's mostly autobiographical. It's about my failures, um, how, how much I fell down. And times when I lost my purpose, or I didn't feel loved, or didn't feel respected. And that's when I had to make changes in my life to get, make things better. And I think that's how we find happiness, through finding purpose and love and respect. That's the key. And I think when we begin to lose those things, usually through an event, and often it's an event that we don't physically control, right? That maybe the, the decisions we made up to it might have controlled that event, but we don't control right then and there. I think when we do that and that happens, I think that's when we start to um, have that midlife crisis. But that's it. I, I hope I answered that question. So, all right, um, let's see here. Um, is there going to be a pre-order in the book? Yes, either end of this month or next month, but there will be a pre-order coming up here soon. I wanted it to be this month, but it may not be. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, Shelly says, middle age is technically 42. Yes, which is why I go about... 10, I go 45 in my head and I go 10 years of the way. So I say it usually happens between 35, 55. You usually have that midlife crisis somewhere in that is when you usually have it. Guys, I want to say thank you so much for this evening. I really appreciate all the time you gave me. I'm glad to be back. I'm back in action. I'll be back here tomorrow. And also there'll be a couple of cool things coming up here. Um, if I can remember my schedule right, um, I have um, a talk on third parties on Wednesday. I'm doing a counterpoints uh, debate on Thursday. Um, so I have some cool people on Friday also. So a lot of good stuff happening. And then next week, next Monday, I'm doing a debate with Ben Burgess. That'll be um, Monday evening, next Monday, next week. Uh, guy from Tuttle Twins, uh, the, the books, they're going to be on next week also. So a lot of cool stuff happening in the coming weeks. I am back. Uh, thank you so much for everything you've been doing, guys. I will see you all very soon. Oh, by the way, and tomorrow. A free solution radio show at noon. Talk to you soon.